Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket, The Bad, The, I, did, I said it right this time, The Bad Beginning. Chapter 9, okay, we're getting good. Things are getting good. Chapter 9, yes, continued out Count Olaf. It is certainly strange to find a child missing, and one so small and helpless. Where's Sunny? Violet cried. What have you done with her? Count Olaf continued to speak as if he had not heard Violet. But then again, one sees strange things every day. In fact, if you two orphans follow me out to this backyard, I think that we will see something rather unusual. The Baudelaire children didn't say anything, but followed Count Olaf through the house and out the back door. Violet looked around the small, scraggly yard in which she had not been since she and Klaus had been forced to chop wood. The pile of logs that they had made was still lying there untouched, of his count, as if Count Olaf had merely made them chop wood for his own amusement rather than any purpose. Violet shivered, still in her nightgown, but as she gazed out there, she saw nothing unusual. You're not looking in the right place, Count Olaf said. For children who, who read so much, you too are remarkably unintelligent. Violet looked over in the direction of Count Olaf, but could not meet his eyes. The eyes on his face, that is. She was staring at his feet, and she could only see the tattooed eye that had been watching the Baudelaire orphans since the troubles had began. Then her eyes traveled up Count Olaf's lean, shabbily dressed body, and she saw that he was pointing up with one scrawny hand. She followed his gesture and found herself looking at the forbidden tower. It was made of dirty stone which, with only one lone window, and just barely visible in the window was what looked like a birdcage. Oh, no, Klaus said in a small, scared voice, and Violet looked again. It was a birdcage, dangling from the window of the tower like a flag in the wind, but inside the cage, she could see a small and frightened Sunny. When Violet looked closely, she could see it was a large piece of tape across her sister's mouth and ropes around her body. She was utterly trapped. Let her go, cried Violet to Count Olaf. She hasn't done anything to you. She's an infant. Well now, Count Olaf said, sitting on a stump, if you really want me to let her go, I will. But surely even a stupid brat like you might realize that if I let her go, or more accurately, if I ask my comrades to let her go, poor little Sonny might not survive the fall down to the ground. That's a 37-foot tower, which is very long way for a little person to fall, even if she's inside of a cage. But if you insist... No, Klaus cried, don't. Violet looked into Count Olaf's eyes and then a small parcel, what, uh, the Paul Smarcel, parcel that was her sister hanging from the top of the tower and moving slowly in the breeze. She pictured Sunny toppling from the tower onto the ground and pictured her sister's last thoughts being ones of sheer terror. Please, she said to Count Olaf, feeling tears in her eyes. She's just a baby, we'll do anything. Don't harm her. Anything, Count Olaf asked, with his one eyebrow raising. Ew, that's so gross, huh? He leaned in towards Violet and gazed into her eyes. Anything? 
would you do, for instance, consider marrying me tomorrow during tomorrow night's performance? Violet stared at him. She had an odd feeling in her stomach as if she were the one being thrown from a great height. This really frightening thing about Olaf, she realized, was that he was very smart after all. He wasn't merely unsavory drunken brute. He was an unsavory clever drunken brute. While you were busy reading and making accusations, Count Olaf said, I had one of my quietest, sneakiest assistants skull into the bedroom and steal a little sun away. She's perfectly safe for now, but I consider to be to be a stick behind a stubborn mule. Our sister's not a stick, said Klaus. A stubborn mule, Olaf explained, does not move in the direction the owner wants it to. It to. In that way, it's it is like you children who insist on mucking up my plans. Any animal owner would tell you that a stubborn mule will live in a proper direction if the carrot is in front of it and a stick behind it. I will move that carrot. I will move. It will move towards the carrot because it wants a reward of food, and anyway, uh, and away from the stick because it does not want to be punishment. Doesn't want the punishment of pain. Likewise, you will do what I say to avoid the punishment of the loss of your sister. Because you, the reward of surviving this experience. Now, Violet, let me ask you again. Will you marry me? Violet swallowed and looked at Count Olaf's tattoo. She could not bring herself to answer. Come now, Count Olaf said, his voice faking, a, a word which means fiending, kindness. He reached out a hand to stroke Violet's hair. Would it be so terrible to be my bride, to live in my house for the rest of your life? You're such a lovely girl. After the marriage, I wouldn't dispose of you like your brother and sister. Violet imagined sleeping in, besides Count Olaf and waking up each morning to look at his ter this terrible man. She pictured wandering around the house, trying to avoid him all day and cooking for his terrible friends at night, perhaps every night for the rest of her life. But then she looked up at her helpless sister and knew what the answer must be. If you let Sonny go, she said, finally, I will marry you. I will let Sonny go, Count Olaf answered, after tomorrow night's performance. In the meantime, she will remain in the tower safe for safekeeping. And as I warned, I will tell you that my assistants will stand guard at the door at the tower at the tower staircase in case you get any ideas. You're a terrible man, Klaus spat out, but Count Olaf merely smiled again. I may be a terrible man, Count Olaf said, but I have I have been able to concoct a foolproof way of getting your fortune, which is more than you've been able to do. With that, he began to stride towards the house. Remember that, orphans, he said. You may have to read more books than I you may have read more books than I have, but it didn't help you gain the upper hand in the situation. Now, give me that book which gave you such a grand idea. The chores and do the chores the chores assigned to you. Klaus sighed and relinquished, a word which here means gave in to the Count Olaf, even though he didn't want to. The Book of Nuptial Law. He began to follow Count Olaf into the house, but Violet stayed still as a statue. She hadn't been listening to the speech of Count Olaf's, knowing that it would be full of the usual self-congratulatory nonsense and despicable insults. She was staring at the tower, not at the top where his sister was dangling, but the whole length of it. Klaus looked back and saw her saw something that he hadn't seen in quite a long time. Those who hadn't been around Violet long, though, to those who hadn't been around Violet long, nothing would have seemed unusual. 
But those who knew her well knew that she, when she tied her hair up in a ribbon to keep it out of her eyes, it meant that she, that the gears and levers of her invention were whirling at top speed. Ooh, she has an idea. Do you know what it is? Oh, yes. Yes, don't say it, don't say it. Don't say it, don't say it. 